The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good day, and welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. And this is so funny because for the first time ever, I actually listened to the disclaimer um, that started off the show that you know, none of the the network's not responsible for the ideas held forth within blah blah blah. Well, cause it's kind of uh, ironic that I was listening because today I have an attorney on. Um, her name is Cheryl Hodgson, and she serves as legal counsel in uh, corporate, new media, and entertainment-related fields. And her specialty is trademark, copyright, trade secrets, um, intellectual property. She helps with brand strategy and protection. Um, so if you have a big idea, she can help you successfully protect and profit from it without getting uh, stepped on, I guess. We're going to learn how. And she served as president of the California Copyright Conference. She's a member of the arbitration and mediation panel of the World Intellectual Property Association. And she's currently on the Emerging Issues Committee of the International Trademark Association. And she writes at Brand Aid blog, and aid is A-I-D-E. Com, and you can also find her at Hodgson Law. That's H-O-D-G-S-O-N hyphen law dot com. Cheryl, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, you know, I was thinking about, we talk so much about brand and imaging, and we never think of the legal aspects of that. Why do you think it's important for someone in a PR marketing field to bring in um, a lawyer, at what point should they have a lawyer for their clients? Well, it's a great question, Maureen. Um, and it's actually a passion, area of passion for me because I think that PR professionals, marketing, advertising professionals are often on the front line with clients who really don't necessarily know or have the right legal advice or an expert to go to in the field. So I think they, that the advertising, marketing, and PR people can be really an excellent sort of front line of you know, screening clients or finding out where their needs really lie. People will often come up with a great logo, a great trademark, a great tagline, or a brand, something that can be a brand. Mm -hmm. And the legal protection part can tend to be an afterthought, um, which is not always the case. But it, it's important to have that aspect as part of the dialogue of all the everything branding. You know, it's funny because when I've had meetings, a lot of times people will make me sign a non-disclosure, um, which is sort of you know the norm. But that's about as far as they go. I mean, they it, it should be quite a bit more in depth than that, shouldn't it? In what regard? Do you mean for? Well, I mean, if you have if your client has some idea, and um, and you're going to start marketing it, how, shouldn't they be protecting themselves with an attorney such as yourself earlier oh, on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of different aspects to that 
that come up. Number one is, are they marketing a, a product or a service to the public that needs trademark protection or brand protection? Um, particularly in today's world with the internet, you know, things are instant. It used to be, you know, you would put a trademark or a brand or a new idea out there and or a new product, and it took forever for it to be exposed. Right mm -hmm. now, the exposure can be instantaneous on the internet and actually, you know, be international in scope. But then, of course, if you're developing some sort of secret process or in the process also, or you have confidential business information where you're discussing it with investors or you're sharing it with potential partners um, or people who would be vendors, suppliers for manufacturing, of course you need a non-disclosure agreement to protect yourself um, to make certain that even if you don't do business with those people, they're not going to take what your project is and be able to do it on their own without your permission. So I want to get into the meat of this, but before I do, I want to um, ask you sort of, I know you have a, a background in, in entertainment, so take us through sort of how you went from entertainment, how you got to where you are now, and um, and what the difference is, and how, how, how the two fields relate. Uh, uh, that's interesting. So it, it has been a journey. Um, I actually started out more um, as an agent uh, out of law. Uh, college. I was at booking concerts on my college campus in Louisiana years ago, and I was just very passionate about the music industry at that point. And I was, are you from uh, Louisiana? I'm from born in New Orleans. I don't hear the the accent. You didn't even say Nolens. Nolens, yes. <laughs> well, it comes back when I get home. You know, you get off the plane and you start oh, talking I... to the relatives, and it's like you fall right you fall right back into it. Um, but uh, I I ended up it was just a fun adventure for me at that point. I had a chance to go to work for a talent agency in Denver, which it sounds like an odd place for a talent agency, but at the time, um, you know, country music back then was in Nashville considered to be, you know, Earl Scruggs and Minnie Pearl, and it was you know, Bill Monroe, and it was the Grand Old Opry, and that was as far as country music went. There was none of this pop country at that point. So I went to work for a little agency in Denver that was considered very avant-garde at the time, um, and they were representing sort of the talent that nobody was really interested in that was sort of off the track, and it was a little cutting edge. And we represented Jimmy Buffett. We had Steve Martin. And Steve Martin was doing stand-up comedy at that point and putting an arrow through his head, uh, opening for the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. So it was a really fun time and a fun adventure. So that got my passion up. And then I went to law school after that, um, but of course the music industry was always really my passion, and so I was representing clients in the music industry all along the way. Um, so that well, was then really how, how did I got you started into this field. Yeah, and then somewhere along the way, I um, in this field, yeah. How did I get to the law part? Well, I was sort of took a hard right turn. I was about to come out and be a music manager uh, years ago um, for um, a, what was then considered a very hot management firm in Los Angeles. And uh, one of the partners went off to be executive producer of The Omen and came back like months later than he had planned. And in the meantime, you know, I graduated and I had an opportunity to go to work on a case in the trademark field. And it turned out to be um, the largest case in the history of trademark law. Wow, and, what was uh, that? It was a, a, had nothing to do with entertainment. It was called Big O versus Goodyear. And it was a case... Um, where um, literally Goodyear stole the trademark from a smaller company out of Denver called Big O Tires. And the trademark was Bigfoot, um, based upon the Bigfoot monster, right? But it was Bigfoot for tires. And they, it created, they launched a 
$10 million ad campaign on Saturday on Monday Night Football, excuse me, and as a result, the public began to think that the tires they bought from the original owner, which was Big O, that they had stolen the trademark and from Big from Goodyear. So it created what they called reverse confusion in the marketplace, which sounds a little bit legalistic, I know, but at that time that was a big deal. Ah, you lawyers, I know. I know. It made it, it made it look like the little guy <laughs> stole from the big guy when it was the big guy who stole from the little guy. <laughs> and so it was a fun time, and I learned a lot, and that was what kind of got me passionate about the, the field of trademarks and branding. All that, and then she went to be on, on to be the president of the California Copyright Conference. That's amazing. So I, I'm going to ask you really dumb questions because I don't know anything about this. What's the difference between, you probably know what's coming, trademarking and copywriting and trade secrets and intellectual property, and um, we, we'll probably do like half now and then half after the break because uh, I'm sure it's a long topic. Well, I'll try to keep it as basic as I can. Yeah, ta- you know, talk like-, like you're talking to a fifth grader. I'm, that's about the level I'm at. Okay. Well, <laughs> some days, you know, it's, I know, in people's, when you say the word intellectual property, people's eyes tend to glaze over, you know, <laughs> and I, I'm aware of that. And it's really pretty simple. Intellectual property is intangible property, okay? And where it gets, and the thing to remember is that it's no different than something you can touch. We all know about our car, we know about our house, you know, or our home, you can stand in your front yard, and we understand that you can buy it, you can sell it, you can rent it, you can lease it, and it's the exact same thing with intangible assets. It's no different, okay? If you, and I like to use the analogy that, for example, that if, you're, um, if your car needs uh, oil or a tune-up or if your house has a leaky roof, you fix it, you repair it. There's certain maintenance that may go along, okay? Those same concepts apply to intangible assets. But where the confusion does come in, I think, is, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between each? Um, well, copyright is something that's guaranteed by the Constitution, and it protects the writings of authors, works of authorship. So it's a protection for something that's creative in nature, obviously a book, a film, a play, a photograph, a work of art. Um, It could be a computer software program, anything that's creative in nature, and it it protects the representation of an idea, not Mm -hmm. the idea itself. Um, Then, of course, trademarks really have more to do with goods and services and selling things in commerce. And Mm -hmm. it's... The real philosophy behind a trademark is that not necessarily to protect the, the owner of the trademark, even though that's important, it's really to protect the consuming public so that the public knows that if they see a certain brand or a certain trademark, they can rely upon the fact that it's going to be consistent. That if I, per- if I go to the McDonald's down the street, mm-hmm. that when I go to the McDonald's in the next country, or Banana Republic, that I'm going to see the same quality and types of goods and services in each store. There's not going to be confusion in the public's mind as to who is who. Right, and that sort of gets into the topic of branding, uh, which a lot of our listeners you know, get into. Um, and when we come back, I want you to – that was very good, by the way. You really just explained it in lay terms. But when we come back from the break, I want to talk also about – you know, trade secrets, what, what is the legal definition of a trade secret, and also about licensing, because I know that comes into play for, um, you know, PR and marketing people who, and ad people who are dealing with clients um, who have something to sell, which is Absolutely. 99.99% of the uh, clients. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and we will be back with Cheryl Hodgson. In the meantime, if you want to check out her website, it's 
Hodgson Law, and H-O-D-G-S-O-N hyphen law.com. And we will be right back after a break from our uh, sponsors. Take it away, Justin Jackman, my engineer. Is he there? I'm still talking to myself. <laughs> Justin? All right. Well, I'll... Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. What is whole person healing? Via body, via mind, and via spirit. It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices, worldwide, whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustam Roy, a noted material scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business? How they hire and develop top talent? How do they retain top employees and customers? Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideals and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up-and-coming leaders as well as established leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show show. 
you write to Maureen at prinsider.biz. Not up. Uh, we're under construction. Let's just put it that way. So get me at vertexpr at aol.com if you want to talk. Um, and uh, Cheryl got a couple. Our guest Cheryl Hodgson got a couple of uh, emails during the break. But if you have any questions, you know, feel free to email them in uh, to either me or Cheryl. Um, and we were talking before the break about the difference between trademarking and um, copywriting and intellectual property. So I, I think I got it. Intellectual property is intangible property like ideas. Copywriting is constitutional. It's a constitutional right, and it's to do with the written word or anything creative like films and photos and software and uh, books. And the trademarking is uh, for commerce, for goods and services, and it's to pr protect the public so that your brand is identified. Is it, did I get it right? You're amazing. That's a fantastic. Plus. A plus. Oh, my gosh. I have to take a class. So I also want to know, what, how do you do fine... I'm still not clear on intangible property because it seems to me that it's, you're, you're, you're protecting an idea, which just is, sounds very esoteric. But licensing and trade secrets, let's talk about those two things. Okay, let's well, talk, talk first about trade secrets because it seems like it's almost kind of related to intellectual property. It is. And actually, to, just to clarify, I think intellectual property, think of that as the nomenclature or the, the catch-all phrase that covers it all. Okay? Anything intangible would be called intellectual property. That includes trademarks, copyrights, patents, trade secrets, okay? Oh, I see. Okay. So that's kind of the umbrella. So we've mm -hmm. covered two. And trade secrets is a very interesting, fascinating area because trade secrets come into play where patent protection leaves off. And it, there's no right or wrong in this, but you'll have situations where someone, particularly when they're first starting out with a business, they may not have filed for a patent yet. And in the situation we were first discussing where they might be going to disclose the nature of an invention, but they haven't filed for a patent. Okay. At that point, that's when a non-disclosure for trade secret protection is just very, very important. And there's some types of – trade secrets, by the way, can also be something as simple as your business financial information and records. It's, you know, your customer list. It's not necessarily some big formula, you know, although the, the formula for Coca-Cola is considered to be one of the most heavily guarded trade secrets in the world. Um, so it has been for years. So uh, I guess only two people in the world know about it at any given time, or and I don't know, know if they even know the whole thing. More people have the the key to the nuclear bomb, but <laughs> yeah, exactly that kind of thing. But uh, you know, a trade secret. The biggest thing to most important thing for people to realize about a trade secret is is because it can be something as simple as an idea or confidential information. It's important to treat it as a secret, and where people get into problems is, or clients get into problems, is they don't necessarily treat it as a secret from the beginning. And once it's disclosed to the public, then it's no longer a trade secret. Mm -hmm. So even though it can be a great way of protecting something and you, is used, you really do need a paper trail, and you need to treat it as a secret along the way. Are there any... I mean, has this changed since the you know, advent of the Internet? I mean, it must, it, people say now there are no secrets. There is no anonymity. New York Times just a big, did a big article about it in the Sunday paper a couple weeks ago about sort of there's no such thing as anonymous. There's no such thing as the escape key anymore. <laughs> you know, you can't. Is, is, is it really possible to keep a trade secret a secret? Oh, I think so, and but I think that's where having a good lawyer from the beginning is very helpful, um, or understanding some basic principles, which is what I just said. You know, don't go disclosing. Let's say you're going to manufacture a product, um, and you have a formula for the product. Maybe it's not Coke, but it could be a skincare line. It could be, 
you know, a great new organic food product, something like that, you know, you're out looking for potential vendors or suppliers to um, manufacture the product for you. Well, certainly you have to disclose what the ingredients and the formulation is at that point. So there's a perfect example of when just having a non-disclosure agreement before you disclose to the potential vendor can make a huge difference. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's certain things that are not going to be able to be secret, trade secret on the Internet. You know, I mean, ideas are free for anybody to use. And once they're public, then anyone can do it. Um, but the Internet has certainly changed things, and we may have a chance to talk about that a bit more in relationship to branding. Yeah, I want to talk I think about it really that. Comes I up. first want to talk about licensing a little bit. Um, how do you come into play with uh, licensing products? Okay, well, licensing is uh, one of my favorite areas. I just I think it's such an exciting field because, you know, I like to go back to just the basics and say, number one, you know, building a brand or a trademark is uh, a, a world brand is not necessarily about selling everything yourself. Um, some of the greatest brands in the world are based on licensing. Um, our entire franchise system in the United States, you know, which began 40, 50 years ago, um, with companies like you know Taco Bell and McDonald's, you know, the the parent company doesn't do all the work. They license third parties to use that trademark and that brand, mm -hmm. and get a royalty back in exchange. So the the use by third party licensees relates back to, or another, another word for it is it inures, I-N-U-R-E-S, it inures back to the owner of the brand. So it's a tremendously great way to build a, a, a brand. Um, so I do a lot of that kind of licensing. We do licensing with, let's say a company wants to have a distributorship either locally or overseas. Um, I know Tommy Hilfinger is a great line, example of a clothing line that has built a global brand largely through licensing. Um, say, for example, the cost of going into to do business and setting up manufacturing in a certain country is going to be cost prohibitive. But they might well find a, a one person in the country of Latin America, somewhere in Latin America, say, for example, where they give them the license for the entire country. And now certainly the parent company would be very involved in approving rights and making sure the quality of what comes out is you know, acceptable, but they don't put all of their money at risk in doing so. So that's really the concept behind licensing. Um, and then you, know, can, you can certainly license it in the entertainment field is another area where licensing is just huge. I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners may have heard, seen Eat, Eat Pray, Love last week, which I haven't yet seen. I haven't seen it, but I, yeah. I read the book. I loved it. But I was walking around the mall last weekend, um, and which I seldom seem to have time to do, but I was over at the Century City Mall, and I was noticing there's Whereas all these products already in the window for, you know, containing Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> so before the movie came out for months, you know, the, the studio, I'm sure, was out licensing the, the, the name of the movie into product lines. Right. So it not only creates more revenue, it, they get a royalty back for those products, but it creates more awareness of the brand. Now, when, when, when a company or a client is at the point where they're licensing, you know, Obviously, they need a lawyer. But when they're at a smaller level, how, how do you think, I mean, how expensive is it if you had a smaller company that, or a client that had something that, you know, as their publicist, you want to advise them, but yet again, you don't want to eke into the budget so much that you get pushed out of the system. I mean, how expensive is it um, to protect something that, say, is 
let's say it's a book, and you know, a book idea or or something, and somebody wanted to copyright it. How how costly can it can it be done economically? Oh, um, before the person gets to the level where they need something more. Sure. Well, a, a book is easy. That's something you know, people can do themselves. You know, filling out the copyright form. I, we don't even do an awful lot of that in our office anymore because. Um, it's easier for clients to do it themselves. I mean, it's just you go to www.copyright.gov, and the forms are online, and the book can be uploaded in digital form or collections of photos, artwork, anything. Hmm. And you can do it yourself, and it's a $35 fee. So there you go. No, no lawyer well. required. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think where it does get to be more important to have an attorney and a little bit more costly is if you are really going to invest in launching a product or a service that you want to identify by a specific brand name, mm -hmm. then that's where it becomes pretty important, I believe, to um, to get someone involved or before you go launch because there's nothing worse than spending, you know, you know, fifty, hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is in, in packaging to. Um, come up with a new product that you're getting ready to bring to market and finding out that the name you've chosen for the product is really not available and receiving a cease and desist letter and being told, gee, you can't use that name, it conflicts with mine. So, so, so for a few hours of, of good consulting, you can save yourself you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars down the line. You just hit it, and that's actually my message and my passion is to, because I litigate, I was a litigator for over 25 years. And Watch I've out been, for you. I've Ms. been in a Hodson lot of federal court lawsuits. What? I said, watch out for Ms. Hudson. She's coming here. Yeah. Well, you know, I, and I, I think I was, I think I, I mean, I love it if I have to, but I actually, um, I do it if I have to, and I enjoy doing it when we do. But I actually, you know, love the message and an opportunity like today to be able to share with people from a business perspective that sometimes you can avoid a lot of risk down the road with just some, you know, modest expenditures early on in your business. Right. And I know when someone's starting out on a budget, it may feel like it's a big expenditure. But um, just for example, I think one of the biggest mistakes I see people make, um, I mean, I, I have this little thing I call, we call it the Insure Brand Protect Sequence, which is not rocket science, and it's not particularly a fancy term, insure, but people can remember it. And, you know, it's just an acronym for the steps people need to take to follow the path. If they follow the steps, then they're going to end up at the right destination. Give us, which, give us the acronym. E-N-S-U-R-E? Okay. I-N-S-U-R-E. Oh, insure. Okay. Insure. I just took all of these things in the trademark field that I've known for years, and I kind of rearranged them, in an, and there, there's lots of subtopics underneath. But, for example, investigate. Um, just what we were talking about. You know, The first step is to really look into the marketplace, and before you launch a product or service, to find out who else is in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Now that a lot, you know, you can do a lot of that on your own before you get started. But then when it comes time to really launching the product and finding out if it's available to become a protectable brand, um, you've got to do a search or an investigation. Mm -hmm. And oh, we're getting the music from Justin early this time. Okay, so okay. we're going to get to the N S U R E with Miss Cheryl Hudson on the acronym for her business, and we're going to talk about branding. Um, uh, also, and how it's changed in the uh, new millennium. We'll be back after a message from our sponsor.
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back again. And don't send me an email at Maureen at prinsider.biz. We're under construction. Send it to vertexpr at aol.com or call in on the numbers that you stated. Um, so I'm on with Cheryl Hodgson. She's an attorney, um, and she uh, blogs at Brand Aid Blog, and she works in, uh, if you just tuned in, trademarking, copywriting, trade secrets, intellectual property, licensing, et cetera, et cetera. And she was giving us her acronym, um, which is INSURE, I-N-S-U-R-E, for um, the steps you need to take to be safe. So the first one was investigate. Right. And the second one, of course, and I like to say with investigation, is would you walk into a dark room and not turn on the lights? You know, first of all, you might trip over something, um, and you might also find out there's a crowd of people in the room, or you may find out, on the other hand, there's not very many people in the room at all. 
So that's the purpose of the investigation. But then sometimes people also need to think about it. So I had to kind of stretch the in for noodle, but it gets people, it makes the point a little, well, that's a little mm -hmm. comic relief to the subject, mm -hmm. which is to noodle on it, sit down and think about it and analyze what you find out from the search. And people sometimes go, well, yeah, but I, you know, it's going to cost me money to do this search, and I don't know if it's going to, you know, you know, what if I can't use it? Well, it's, number one, it's better to find out before that there's mm -hmm. a problem. And number two, it can also be a tremendous roadmap to show you how to expand your brand because you can see a strategy, if you have a good attorney to work with you, of how far you can reach going forward, right? So it's not just about being in fear of being sued. It's about how strong you can be in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I think that thinking about it is very important and analyzing it. And that comes before you make a selection. And the reason why I like to put it in the acronym step process, uh, mode to talk about is because oftentimes people will come in and they've already selected something, they've already done a fabulous website, and they're emotionally connected and wedded to what the brand should be. Mm -hmm. And they've skipped the first two steps. Mm. <laughs> and they've already at selection when they maybe should have thought about it because by far the biggest biggest mistake I see with you know, beginning businesses and emerging brands is they select a name that's really not very strong. A mm. uh, typical problem is people want to describe what they do and tell people what they do. Mm. So they tend to want to put a generic term or a descriptive term into their trademark, which is extremely, it's, for me, those types of things are left for advertising. You know, that's what your advertising and marketing is, is to, to use your descriptive terms and, hey, we have, we're the greatest life coach or I have the best computer, you know. Those kinds of terms are, are not trademarks. They're just either laudatory or describing what you actually sell. Hanes does not market the word underwear in connection with Hanes every time. You see the word Hanes. Apple doesn't have computer next to Apple every time you see the word Apple, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the big areas that I have to counsel with new brand owners on is to choose something that's a bit more distinctive because that goes to the crowded room concept. Um, if you're describing what you do, then it's not going to be very easily protected. And as you go forward in years, as the company matures, you're going to end up with a, a name that is very nondescript. I love this example. Do you know, Maureen, do you know what the American Federated Life Assurance Company is? Uh. No. I mean, I've heard of it, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you and nobody else had for years, you know. And um, it, this is, I, yeah, I'd like to tell you this quick story. I just think it's fabulous. Um, the, ten years ago, the new CEO came into this company, and he closed a bunch of divisions, and he um, took the saving, cost savings and put it into doing some new PR marketing and television advertising, had some test commercials done, and up until that point, their commercials for this uh, life insurance company had been very miserable. And then they tested two, one with Ray Romano, mm -hmm. who did very well in the, when they tested the com test commercials. And then the next one they tested was a duck, a quacking duck. And the ratings went through the roof. And, in le and if you haven't guessed by now, that was Aflac. Aflac. And the, the results were staggering. In less than like five years or three years, their revenues went up 44%. Their sales have doubled. The 
they sent the duck to Japan, and this is a great story. Japan, in Japan, a duck can't quack, it ha- so they had to give it a different sound. It had to be softer and a little more cuddly. You mean according to market analysis? According to the way the Japanese don't respond to quacking ducks. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they don't, but they do respond to this little creature this is why I love that's our there to protect the family. <laughs> so listen to this: they actually sent the duck on tour. <laughs> and or did some kind of live promotion with a you know a stuffed duck or a person in a duck outfit, and twenty thousand people showed up to meet the duck in Japan, and it is now the number one insurance company in Japan. I feel so bad for Ray Romano. Oh, he lost he that on the commercial, the right? Ka-ching, you know, I've got a I've got a Japanese uh, uh, you know commercial that all the uh, superstars uh, the duck beat for, me right? out, <laughs> but the duck beat me out in the ratings. Robert but I mean, isn't that a great story? And the reason why I love that story is it really makes the point of you know here's a company that made that early on that kind of generic descriptive decision, and they went with it for years. Nothing was happening. And it didn't mean they weren't a good company or a good business, but they sort of had one hat tied behind their back because mm-hmm. no matter how much they marketed and advertised, it wasn't memorable, and right. people couldn't remember who they were. And I'm sure, you know, because you were saying that, you know, the selection uh, process for the name and all that and the brand, I'm sure that the owners and the, the founders of the company didn't have this grand ideal to have a quacking duck as their image. Of course I mean, not. And it probably went against their green. They were probably conservative and wanted a strong-looking image, but yet it's like when you paint a house, right? I mean, that's the last thing. You, when you decorate your house, that's the last thing. You, you need to build a foundation first. Exactly. That's so, exactly okay, right. so we got to the S in insure. Okay, Investigate, and noodle it, and, analyze yeah. it. And use, uh, select. proper use. Selection, you make your selection, and I like to say look for the intersection where selection can meet protection. So that goes to the whole descriptiveness, generic thing. And um, we don't have time to get in get too technical, but there's a whole array of types of marks and types of uh, brands you can choose in terms of the, how much legal protection they have. Um, but whatever you choose, you want it to be protectable, and then you want to be able to use it properly. Um, and one of the biggest problems is, you know, use by other distributors and your own your own brand owner use that can contribute to loss of rights. Um, that can happen easily over if it's something particularly uh, popular. I always like to talk about examples of um, trademarks that have been lost. Um, you ever hear of escalators, cellophane, aspirin? Those were all trademarks at one point that got absorbed into the English language. Kleenex. Kleenex. Well, Kleenex. I don't know if it's officially been litigated, you know, oh, yeah. uh, that far. But I think if it probably were, they they might lose. Um, and they certainly, you know, can. It, it's it's an issue, and it's not every brand is at risk for that. But mm-hmm. we have little rules that we teach clients in reviewing advert. That's a great area of where we work with ad agencies or our PR people or marketing people, is to make sure the use on the websites and in the marketing materials doesn't contribute to the demise of the brand. That it's used in a way that's consistent, and in a way that's distinctive, so there's not misuse in the marketplace put out by the brand owner inadvertently. Uh, and that includes in, in instructing distributors and that sort of thing. Can you give an example of that? Because this really is fascinating. I mean, can you? Is there a, a well? I mean, I can tell you. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, and this is particularly true on the internet now. Um, you know, people go out and they, you know, uh, well, let's say uh, Apple, for example. Apple has a brand guide. Almost any company, I'm sure, Lululemon has one. Mm-hmm. A usage guide. So if you have distributors of your products and they're putting up ads on the Internet, particularly now, 
um, it, it's really important that the usage of the way the trademark is presented be consistent. So your bigger multinational companies and your larger brand owners actually put out style guides which say you have to use the trademark in this font, in this type size, these colors. You can't vary it. Right. Okay? Because otherwise you lose the national consistent, the consistent image. But on something like a you know, escalator, so the, the company came up with that term, and then it just became ubiquitous. What, how do you how do you how do you protect a word? Well, that's tough because it is more difficult. And where it tends to come up, Maureen, is when somebody comes up with a new product that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. So people latch on to the trademark as the name of the product as a generic term. So a great example of a company that's fought very hard, and I think fairly successfully actually, is Xerox. Xerox has spent millions of dollars over the last 15 or 20 years doing print ads. I think they've even done some TV campaigns. But where they talk about the fact, please don't use our trademark this way. And um, don't, in fact, there was one that's really great. It's a picture of a zipper, and it says, please don't let our trademark go the way of the zipper. And, you know, because zippers won too. That became. Ah, I never knew that. And so what happens is is that you're really supposed to use the trademark as an adjective. And this is getting a little technical. And the, what's the generic term behind it? Um, so as the, going back to the Hanes underwear example, Hanes is the trademark, underwear is the generic term. Well, you don't necessarily have to put underwear with Hanes because people sort of know it and it's famous. But if I come up with a new product like, you know, it's not been out before. I'm sure at the time aspirin came out or you know, cellophane came out. It was a brand new product and it didn't exist. So the brand owners were really, it's sometimes difficult to create a generic term to go along with a trademark. But that's a good, a good uh, rule of thumb is to use the brand as, as the adjective. Exactly. And another good example is not to use it as a, as a verb. Um, now, I, they, if anybody's listening from Google, I'm sure they would hate me saying this, but, um, and I don't think that they really do have a problem because they've gone way beyond it and they have you know, lots of resources to do things in the right way. But um, how many times do we say, would you Google this? You know? So I don't think Google is going to be a, a ubiquitous term or generic term in all areas because they have many, many other products. But when it comes to the act of doing a search on the Internet, you know, people aren't saying, oh, could you please look this up on the Internet for me? Can you go Google this? Oftentimes people are saying that. So there's a little bit of risk there where right. it starts getting absorbed. And that's a, it's a way the public starts to use it in the vernacular. Yeah. So now we need to bring in a linguistic specialist. We need a branding specialist, a trademark specialist, an attorney who's special, and now we need a linguist. Well, it is a team effort. And so what's the E? Because we have to go to break in about 30 seconds. Okay, E is for sure. actually the most important part of all, which we can talk about briefly after, which is enforcement and monitoring. Uh-huh. Oh, and then, yeah, I want to know about consequences, too. Like, you know, Well, an owner, a trademark owner has a duty, a brand owner, to police their mark to uh -huh. pre prevent other infringements. It doesn't mean you have to go sue everybody, but you need to watch what's happening in the marketplace. And particularly with the Internet, that's where, the, that's where all the game changer is happening right now. And this is where your, your PR marketing team could be really helpful. Absolutely. I mean, and it is a team effort. I think it's really important to have people realize that. It is a team effort now. Um, yeah, because you, you need your team in place. Otherwise, you're going to waste a lot of money. Oh, he's giving us some music. Okay, we're going to be back with Cheryl Hodgson from Hodgson Law. I'm fascinated with this topic. We'll be right back after um, some more words from some more sponsors.
markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between... Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Hi, and welcome back again. We've been talking with Cheryl Hodgson from Hodgson Law. That's H O D G S O N hyphen law.com, and you can read her blog on brandaidblog.com. Welcome back again. Hi. So we were talking about your acronym, which is, is uh, INSURE, and it's investigate, uh, noodle, analyze, select your name very carefully, use it properly, is the U. Um, 
Oh, I forgot what the R was for. Oh, for registration. Re- registered. <laughs> registered. And then finally the E, enforcement, police it. And I want to know what, 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 how you do that. I mean, how do you well, actually? Okay. Well, we call that the snooze you lose factor. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's and it and it seems a little daunting to people, I think. So, but it doesn't have to be, especially for a new company. Uh, for bigger companies, it does. I mean, right now, for example, clothing lines and product lines. You know, huge, huge issues with counterfeit goods. Um, I had a friend who was in town who does some work for me for clients, and he was walking a trade show for um, a shoe manufacturer here that's based here locally, and they just walked up and down the halls of the trade show looking for counterfeit shoe goods, you know, that are knockoffs. Of, um, so, you know, it's a huge problem with Chinese imports, that sort of thing. Um, and that's on the higher scale, on the bigger level, which, it, it, you know, it's not about greed on the brand owner's part. It's also, again, it goes back to the, you know, it just really damages the brand if it's inferior quality merchandise as well. So, but then on a more, you know, smaller level, an everyday level, it's just being aware of what's happening on the Internet. Um, I have a situation for a client in the yoga field right now that I do some work for, and they have a wonderful product. I, I don't where you know it's it's a towel that people put on their yoga mats, mm-hmm. and you know just it's uh, you start to see ways of it being advertised on the internet where they're using the trademark um, in a descriptive sense or as an ad, not as a trademark. Right. So it it there's simple things like that that need to be taken care of, and it, it can be daunting. Then for the major companies, of course, on the Internet, I mean, there's major corporations now that have, like, Mark Monitor have come into the marketplace that, I mean, they have to troll the Internet with, you know, spiders to go out and find all the infringements on the Internet. So, um, you know, but, uh, like, again, it doesn't have to be that daunting and that, that awesome, I mean, overwhelming for a brand owner. One of the most important and simple things a new brand owner can do is just make certain they have some simple watch service Make sure they're watching what happens at the trademark office. Are there new filings coming in um, or new domain names being registered that might conflict with what their product is? Mm-hmm. Wow, such an obvious thing, but you know, I wouldn't think I wouldn't think it. That's yeah, well, it's actually how a lot of trademarks get lost. A lot of them can start out very strong, but then you get this piece of paper of the registration, and clients get lulled into a false sense of security. And they think, oh, I've gone and hired somebody to do my trademark, but they don't necessarily see the relationship as an ongoing relationship. They see it as a service. So those clients tend to not keep up with watching what's happening in the marketplace for their, for their brand. Mm-hmm. And that's really the key to the whole thing because that's how things get out of control all of a sudden, especially if you have a term or a word that is popular, you know, and it's not a completely distinctive term suddenly everybody's going to be using it, right? Um, and then you'll end up with a lot of people applying for the same term, um, but in combination with other words. So it, you have to be a little bit assertive and aggressive in enforcing your rights. Wow. You, it, just quickly before, I want to talk about teamwork before we wrap up the show, but do you ever see, do you get a lot of cases where the, the, the brand is the individual and somebody steals that, or is that impossible to steal? Um, no, that's not true. I think uh, brands are, individuals certainly can be the brand, and many times they are nowadays. Celebrities, of course, are a great example of that. Um, but celebrities or, or in individuals certainly can establish trademark or valid rights in their name um, when they're doing it relating it for goods or services. If they're giving lectures and workshops, 
if they're just writing one book, then of course you're not going to protect it as a brand. But um, it is who it is. But the individual who's out there really more on a public level um, that's well known, it can be very helpful. Um, and I have a number of clients where we have done trademark registrations for the individual name, particularly where they're in international in scope and they're known internationally, because it gives us a greater uh, ability to protect them. Um, there's another concept outside of trademarks that's very known in the entertainment field called right of publicity that if someone is using their name, um, it, you, it, you have the right to use your name, image, or likeness in connection with the sale or merchandising of goods. So what happens is with an individual like that, people tend to use their individual name to want to imply some sort of endorsement. So that's where the, where, when there is no endorsement of another product or service. So that's where the, the individual's brand tends to be at risk. And in terms of, and before we close the show out, just in terms of, because um, now I'm really starting to rethink some, some certain kinds of campaigns that we do, but there's, it seems to be you really need this teamwork approach. And I was just joking, of course, about the linguist. But um, how, how do you feel, you know, what's your opinion on that, the teamwork, sort of the advertising, PR, marketing, and lawyers, and brand people? And well, I obviously, as a lawyer, I mean, I'm a little bit different, I think, than some attorneys in this area. But I love the idea of of really part of my messaging by speaking in venues like this. And I've given pre presentations this summer over at one of the ad agencies in Santa Monica. And it was just so much fun to go in and give a lunchtime presentation. I was over at the Phelps Agency, which is a great agency in Santa Monica. And they have these like weekly meetings for the creative people. And it's just really important to bring an awareness, I think, um, to the fact that there can be a team approach. Um, because Let's say you don't want to choose the brand in a vacuum. And then traditionally, even with the major corporations, I see a lot of corporations doing this. I have a friend who's uh, in-house at Wells Fargo, and they've done an amazing job at Wells Fargo of doing this, where the legal department has now, or the legal team in the intellectual property area has gotten involved with the creative people and the brand managers to help them come up with ways to, okay, you know, if in the selection process early on, choosing more than one possible campaign so that the lawyers aren't the ones at the last minute saying, no, you can't use this. And everybody says, well, yeah, the lawyers always throw the monkey, in, you know, the wrench in the... Yeah, you, you lawyers always get blamed for ruining our creative ideas. Exactly. We should have so, brought you in on the first... In the first place, well, we're running out of time. I mean, I could talk about this forever. This has been like a little mini uh, classroom session for me. Thank you so much for coming on. Please well, you're go welcome. to um, Cheryl's website, Hodgson Law, H-O-D-G-G-S-O-N-Law.com. And um, if you uh, can send your emails for next week, questions, suggestions for show, or if you'd like to be a guest, please email me at vertexpr. Uh, at AOL.com, and uh, I want to thank my guest, Cheryl Hodgson, John Missel, my producer, and Justin Jackman, my engineer. And don't forget to relate to your public, whoever they may be. This is your host, Maureen Kettis, and hope you listen next week. Thanks.
Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week. We'll be right back.